Our scripture reading for this morning comes at the time when Cornelius and Peter have come into the same house. In chapter 10, after they've had all kinds of dreams and signs that have made them see that they need to be open to one another. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses, and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Dear God, may the words of my mouth and the listening ears of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 30 years ago, I went to Israel with a church group, and one of the stops on the tour was the home of Cornelius. Cornelius, the Roman soldier at the center of Acts chapter 10. Cornelius, the one whose dreams correspond with Peter's dreams, who illustrates a lesson no one thought they would ever need to learn. What we saw was that this was not a neighborhood like other neighborhoods. Even 2,000 years later, we could see that something was different. This was an area of town built by the, for the Roman occupiers. The architecture was clearly unique. There would have been no way for Peter to just wander into Cornelius' home by accident. Cornelius lived in a place full of houses that were not to be entered by God followers like Peter. When Peter entered the house and said, I see that God shows no partiality and proclaimed the gospel in that place, the story of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, he brought to life a whole new time in the ministry of Jesus Christ. What is this lesson that Peter and Cornelius brought to life for the people? All means all. It sounds simple, doesn't it? Of course, all means all. What else could it mean? Well, for Peter and the disciples, up until this moment, their mission to go to all people meant all 
Jewish people. All Jews all over the world. That's who they believed the mission and message was for. It was already a huge undertaking. The forgiveness of sins through Jesus needed to go far and wide because the Jews were spread out all over the world. But in this moment, in this story, Peter has come to the realization that it's even bigger. That all people actually means all people. It wasn't easy for him. It wasn't a message he wanted to hear, and it wasn't a fight he wanted to have. But the truth had become undeniable. His job was to witness to the good news that God's love and Christ's forgiveness were a gift for all people. A few years back, I was in Washington, D.C. At the same time, an important case was in front of the Supreme Court. And so walking around, you saw all the protests happening. It was a case about health care. And many of the protesters were people who wouldn't have health care if it didn't go in their direction. But there was this woman that stuck out to me because she was harassing the protesters. She kept jumping into their face saying, we don't have the money for this, and trying to stop the protest. And so someone in a calm voice tried to say to her, well, do you have health care? And she said, yes. And the person said, well, do you think that you're more worthy than them? And your life is more important than them? And she said, yes. If all means all, how do we say yes to that question? But now let's not miss that if we think she's not as valuable because she doesn't agree with the protesters, well, then that gets in the way of all means all, too. Her sins are able to be forgiven, too. That's good news, right? If we're honest with ourselves, we, too, have boundaries around the word all. We would like God to choose the people we would choose and lift up the people we would lift up. That's when we know we're on the wrong track, when we've begun to redefine God in our image rather than the other way around, or more bluntly, as Anne Lamott puts it, you can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. We have the opportunity to share how God's good news in Christ has transformed our lives in a way that respects all people and opens all people to the possibility of forgiveness. We have the opportunity to be witnesses, testifiers to the love of God as we've experienced it, to the good news of the resurrection that changes everything and makes every day a new day full of potential and promise, and hope. Can we do that? Can we learn to tell the story of the God who shows no partiality, the Christ who offers forgiveness in his name? Can we do that with our words, with our lives? There was a moment, it was a a tough moment, a moment when Lewis was at the bottom of what life could be. 
And in that moment, he remembered something. Someone, really. Tom, an old friend of his who was in recovery, who stopped drinking maybe five years before. Tom, the one who kept talking about meetings and getting real and sometimes mentioned God, no fun. That's what Lewis had decided about Tom. He'd stopped hanging out with him. So then why, when he was in real trouble, why was it Tom's face that came to his mind? Tom's eyes that he could imagine looking at him, not with scorn, but with compassion. Lewis looked at his phone and saw that Tom's number was still there, right there in his contacts. And he called, and Tom answered, and he came over right away. And that's when Lewis noticed that there was more in Tom's eyes than compassion. There was actually hope. He asked him about it, and he said, well, I think there's always hope. If there was hope for me, then there's hope for you. They sat and talked through the night, and Tom told Lewis more than he ever had before. And when the sun came up, they celebrated that Lewis had made it through the night. And they made plans for Tom to pick him up to go to a meeting. So here's the thing. Five years before, Tom planted the seeds. He told the good news of the gospel that he understood, the gospel that had saved him, that everyone could wake up and see a new day, and no one was outside the circle of God's forgiving love. He didn't know that these seeds would bear fruit. In fact, he probably thought he'd been throwing his words against a brick wall. But if he hadn't said it, if he hadn't shared his understanding of the gospel, what would have happened that night? What if there had been no face of compassion for Lewis to reach out to? We live in a time where there is a dangerous me-first nature that gets us in trouble in every single area of our lives and of our world. We need to ask ourselves, honestly, does all mean all to us? Does everyone have the potential to be a forgiven, loved child of God? Will we practice words that include people in the circle and proclaim that God loves them too? There has never been a more important time for us to speak the good news that God invites us all into relationship. May we bring our genuine hearts and souls to meet God on this journey. In Jesus' name, amen.